I remember vividly the very first time I saw my daughter's face. It was about four o'clock on a Sunday afternoon, and uh, the doctors, Martha had been labor for I don't know how many hours, I'm sure she could probably tell you exactly. Um, But uh, they took her away for a C-section. And uh, so about four o'clock on that spring afternoon, uh, I saw Meredith for the very first time. Her fists were clenched. I think it was an indication of what her personality would be like later on. Uh, She was mad. And uh, she was just letting everybody know that she was here. Similar situation happened a little bit later, uh, except it was a a cold, snowy morning in Arkansas when I first saw Nate. Uh, Martha was more alert this time, at least. I saw her for just a few minutes, and and then it was like, come on, Dad, let's go. And so um, I I went uh, into the other room and there was just, I, I, I haven't been able to, to experience that completely with my grandchildren, uh, but I have at least had a front row seat. And I've seen pictures of friends, especially lately, with their new children or grandchildren, their faces are all wrinkled up and, and, and they're all uh, crinkly, and, and, and I'm sorry, um, I thought, man, I hope their appearance changes. <laughs> now, I know, I've probably offended everybody, but I know your child was precious, mine was precious too, and they do. They change so much uh, those first few weeks. But can you imagine Mary looking at the face of Jesus for the very first time? She holds that child after experiencing all the things that she experienced with the angels visiting, with the, the whole experience with Joseph and having to, to go down to Bethlehem. You know, that couldn't have been a fun journey to go from uh, up north down to Galilee or from Galilee down to, to, to Bethlehem to, to register for that uh, census and and to look at the face of Jesus. And I, I'm sorry, I couldn't help but think, I wish the world would look into the face of Jesus just one time. I've noticed, you know, we, we, we tend to gripe about, well, this is, we know this isn't Jesus' birth, and, and, and we do all that, and so we, we get upset when, when people talk about the birth of Jesus, especially this time of year. But I told my wife yesterday as I was uh, in the grocery store with her and listening to the Christmas songs, and I said, you know what? I don't hear one song about Jesus. And I said, you know, I hope they're happy. You know, if, if we just would look on the face of Jesus how different our world would be. Our son was the embodiment of God. I love what Max Licato said in his book, Because of Bethlehem. He said, Jesus entered our world not like a human, but as a human. 
And so he understands. In fact, in John chapter 1, it said, The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. He lived among us. He came down to earth. And for centuries, humankind has wanted to know what God looks like. And very few people have had any kind of personal relationship with him. But I think about Adam who walked with God. Who walked in the garden, who had that relationship with God, who could speak to him and he would speak back. And, and that, that whole wonderful relationship until he messed things up. He and Eve decided they wanted to go their own way. And I wonder what that relationship was like. Or Abraham, who was able to, to hear God say, listen, I'm going to make of you a, a great nation. It's going to be like the stars of the sky or the, or the sands of the sea. And the list goes on and on. We've got Moses and others. And they saw what God did but did they ever really see God? A few years ago, I was visiting in the home of some friends of mine. Uh, the, the woman was a friend of mine from back when we were kids in York. And, uh, and I remember, you know, my dad taught at York College. It was a very, you know, you can imagine if, if you attended York College even today, um, it's a very close-knit Family, and you can imagine what it was like in the early '60s when, uh, when they didn't. Of course, they don't make much money, but when they really didn't make much money, and 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 we all the kids played together, and all those. I, I saw this this lady. I hadn't seen her for years, and she opened the door, and she saw me and said, "You look just like your father." I wonder. I don't have this written down in the sermon or anything. It's just what's on my heart. Has anybody ever accused you of looking like your father? And I don't mean your earthly father. I'm talking about your spiritual father. Has anybody ever said to you, I see Jesus in you? Because that's what it's like to see the face of God. In Hebrews chapter 1 which was read earlier. Hudson did a great job on that. I was listening to that, and, and, and I, I want to read it again. In the past, in the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom he made the universe. Now listen to what he says. The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. If you want to stare into the face of God, stare into the face of his son. I've got a book in my library. It's called The Face of Jesus. It's over 300 pages of pictures of what people think Jesus looked like. 
I saw a, a, an article just recently about, uh, they, oh, we found the picture of Jesus uh, in this Jewish church. Um, and, and it's curly hair and, and, boy, it's just hardly anything you can see. And people will flock around these pictures. And I've said this before, but I, I, I really, truly believe this. I am so glad we don't have any physical pictures of Jesus. And I know you might say, I wish we knew what he looked like. What do you, uh, you know, if we had a picture of what he looked like, you know what we'd do? We'd worship the picture. We'd forget about the man himself, and we'd worship the picture. And so I, I sit there and think, those aren't Jesus. If you want to look at Jesus, you'll see the face of God. In Hebrews chapter 2, in verse 14, we have this verse. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared their humanity, so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death. In essence, what that says is Jesus gets us. He understands us. He came into this, and, and if you ask me to describe this, if you say, I don't understand this, help me with this, how could he be all God and all human? Are you ready for this? I have no idea. I can't describe it. All I can say is I believe it. That Jesus was all God and all human. He experienced the frailty and the vulnerability of being human. He got thirsty. You remember the woman at the well? Why was Jesus sitting there? He asked her for water because he was thirsty. He understands what thirst is. He got hungry. He ate with the apostles. In fact, they were there when he fed 5,000 people. They were there when he fed 4,000 people. One of the reasons why Jesus was there, I think, because he was hungry. He got tired. You think, boy, I am the only person that understands weariness. He was so tired during a storm, and we've all experienced this in a way. Jesus got in the bottom of a boat and slept. He understands all of the human frailties that we have. And he experienced anger. He got mad one time, turned over the tables in the temple, ran them out. Jesus was every, every point, every much a man, a human, as we are. And he experienced the whole range of emotions just like us. And then in Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 18, it says, Because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. You ever been tempted? Jesus has too. And in the temptations, you remember when Satan uh, in the wilderness, the scripture, it's kind of interesting. The scripture says the spirit led him into the wilderness and Satan tempted him. And for some reason, we think Jesus was immune to the temptations, that he was like, you know, up on this pedestal and didn't really feel any of the emotions that we do. 
I want to tell you how wrong that is. He was hungry and Satan says, listen, why don't you make these stones into bread? Jesus wanted to do that. He takes him up on the temple and he says, jump down. Because he'll give his angels charge over the day. Jesus, I think, wanted to do that. And say, look here, Satan, I can do it and you will be shown up. And when Satan says to him, fall down and worship me, I honestly think Jesus was tempted to do that because he knew what was coming. If you had a choice between being crucified and abused on a cross or worshiping Satan, what would you do? And yet he was without sin. I think he was tempted to do this. John Stott says, by his incarnation, he laid aside his immunity to temptation and exposed himself to it. And the scripture says, and was without sin. It says, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, and yet without, was without sin. In Hebrews chapter 2, and verse 9, it says, But we do see Jesus, who was made lower than the angels for a little while, now crowned with glory and honor, because he suffered death, so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. <clears throat> Let me ask you a question. Are you included in the everyone yeah. Jesus didn't need to die because he was sinful. He didn't have any sins on his own. He bore our sins. He didn't die for his sins. He died for our sins. And he took our place. And why he did that? Because we have a God who can't stand to be out of relationship with us. Or without him. He, see, he sent his own son. So that we could see his heart. You want to know what God looks like? Look into the manger of Bethlehem. See the man of Galilee heal the sick. See the man of Galilee preach the good news. And take our sins. You want to know what God looks like? Look at Jesus. I have a friend of mine who died last Sunday. I, could, I, I don't want to take the time. I could spend probably 10 minutes giving you all the, the connections. He was a, a boss of mine, but he's also uh, kind of a relative, a very good friend. And the last time I saw him, the very last time I saw him, uh, I don't know if y'all remember when my, my Aunt Evelyn died and, and as soon as services were over, I, I headed out and went to Ohio. That was the last time I saw Dennis. I went over to Ohio Valley College where he had, or Ohio Valley University where he had worked, and he saw me. And his face lit up 
And he came over to me and he took my face. Sorry. <laughs> and just cupped his hands around my face. And with a smile on his face, he said, Jim, it's so good to see you. I couldn't help but think of that as I was thinking about seeing the face of Jesus. Seeing him in the manger, being able to maybe pick him up and hold him. And then you see him down through his life as he, as he argues with the, the leaders in the synagogue. And then later on as he goes through the Galilean countryside and heals people, wouldn't you love to see Jesus' face? Well, I want to tell you something. You still can. I remember at camp many years ago, we always on Thursday night, we have what we call heart groups and we sit around and, and uh, at the very first of the week, one of our counselors said, I want you to look for Jesus this week. You see, that's what the world needs is all of us being Jesus. Being the face of Jesus. Being the face of God. You see, God has a face. And Jesus looks like him because he has his father's eyes. And you can have his father's eyes too. There's so much more that I, I wanted to say in this sermon. This was... I, this was one of those that I knew that would be hard to do, not because of the subject matter, but because this old heart is not as good as it used to be. I'm just not capable of, of explaining to you how precious the face of Jesus is and how precious you are to our Savior. During this time of, of season, instead of getting all riled up, and, and, and I understand where you come kind of, uh, I, I talked to my brother the other day, and my brother's a, an agnostic, and, and he understands that this is not the season that Jesus was probably born, but he also understands that people are at least thinking about Jesus at this time. And I got to be honest with you. If people are thinking about Jesus this time, I sure as shoot am going to be talking about him. Well, that's a poor way to end a sermon, but I want you to know that God loves you. If there are those in the crowd today who need to respond to the invitation in any way, we offer this invitation at all times. Our shepherds, and their wives will be in the back. If there's a personal issue that you need to deal with, I've seen our elders take people aside as they come in the back and talk to them. They're more than happy to do that. Not in a condemnatory way, but in a loving, look at Jesus' face way. And if you need to respond to this invitation, Darrell has a song picked out that we can sing. Would you come as we stand and sing this song? <clears throat>